This is Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I've really learnt how much I'm capable of, which has been incredibly surprising. Like, I'm just like, gosh, bring it on. You know, every time a challenge comes, it's like, yep, I can do this. And also... If everybody who is an entrepreneur or thinking about doing something like this actually really knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. I think if people listening to this who are in business really thought about it, they would agree with me that if they knew what they were up against or what was going to be coming down the road, they wouldn't have started it in the first place. And I think it's a big gift that we have as entrepreneurs is that, you know, if we knew the full journey, we wouldn't take it. All of this and also a book recommendation from Richard Blanford, founder and chief executive of Fordway. Uh, game-changing business advice from Jason Vanderveer, founder of Gold Crazy Planners. And music from Dirty Snowman Society. Friday's just got a whole lot more interesting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Ray Zen. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Aida Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. Hello, my name is Jason Vandeveer. I'm the founder of Gold Crazy Planners. And my advice to anybody that's looking to start a business of theirs would be to ask for help. Before I started my business, I had spent actually six months meeting with individuals who had started businesses, lots of people who started similar businesses to what I was going to start. And it was a make it or break it for my product and business successfully starting. All the tips and insights and lessons I could learn from them were extremely helpful. So I've kind of made it a rule of mine now whenever I am thinking about starting something new or making a change, I want to be able to meet with, sit down and talk to at least two people who have done what I'm trying to do so that I can hear how their experience went, what they learned from it, what recommendations they would have, and really... Doing that, I would strongly recommend for anybody. It has helped me a ton and hopefully can help you too. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Nkwacha. A show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. This week I'm talking to Ludwina Dortovic, founder and CEO of The Room Exchange, an online marketplace that connects busy households with a spare bedroom with guests who provide an agreed amount of help, skills or knowledge 
in exchange for accommodation. Genius. If you're planning on launching a new product or service that has the potential to disrupt an industry, then this is the show you've been waiting for. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Ludwina and uncovering her strategy for game-changing success. Don't forget, if this game-changing interview strikes a chord with you and helps you along your entrepreneurial journey, take a minute to post a comment and share your thoughts because sharing is caring. In the meantime, it's Friday. I'm Kizzy and this is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn and innovate. I'm Brian Simon with Fit Realty and Custom Homes of Virginia. You're listening to Kizzy Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn and innovate. Hello and welcome to the show. Today I'm talking to Ludwina Dortovic, founder of The Room Exchange. Ludwina, it's amazing to have you join me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Kizzy. As you know, we've known each other for quite a long time, so a lot of the questions I'm going to be asking you, I probably have an idea of the answers, but I'm just going to pretend that we don't know each other so well so that we can really get to the roots of The Room Exchange and how it all came about. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Fantastic. Tell me... How did this idea for the room exchange come about? It's one of those stories. It was just a problem that we were solving in in our own household uh, that started when my now 28-year-old left home when he was 22. I cried for a year, as most mums do when their first kid leaves home. And then the following year, I listed the room on Airbnb, which I loved. Um, I really enjoyed inviting people into my home from various different cultures, lifestyles, values, et cetera, because I'm a really curious person. But what I didn't like about the experience was the four hours it took to get the entire house hotel ready. There just is a lot of expectation now on hosts on Airbnb. So I stopped doing that. And then the space was sort of available again. And then some of my kids' friends were traveling and they wanted to stay. Then they wanted to stay longer, but were, you know, on a tight budget. So I just organically said, why don't you help us out a couple of hours a day and we'll feed and house you? And that's literally how it started. So fast forward uh, about three, four years and six, five or six guests later, some of my friends started to say, wow, this is a great idea. Uh, where can I find someone? And then my entrepreneurial radar kind of fired off and I thought, mm, there's something in this and did some market research and realized that nobody else in the marketplace was commercializing the concept. And I decided that it would be us. So I uh, remortgaged my house at the age of 50 to invest the initial money into it, then got the company investor ready, got a satellite of media. Um, then I raised 600000 in our seed round to build the technology. And three years later, here we are. Three years later, here we are. Amazing. Tell me, tell me before the three years later stage, what were the early challenges you faced in getting the room exchange off the ground and how did you overcome them? I'd have to say the first one was raising the capital and I think the biggest gift I had back at the time was naivety and it's funny when I say that uh, a lot of people laugh but I'm actually quite naive. I don't think the worst of things or the worst of people. Um, at the same, I'm not gullible but I it, sometimes it takes me a while to kind of um, sort of sit back and reflect and they go, oh, I think that's what's happening. And what the experience was for me was I was pitching for about eight months up and down the east coast of Australia and I kept getting this message, you know, it's a great idea, but come back in round two. And I thought, why would, eventually I was like, why would I come back to, to you in round two when you said no in round one? And then I realized that, you know, these investors didn't want to take a risk on me, but 
didn't want to be rude. So that was sort of their way of responding. And also realized that majority of them were white men in suits who usually invest in things above or below the ground. So I kind of got to this place where I thought, if that's where the money is and I'm going to get rejected, I'm just going to put on my own pitch event. So instead of um, complaining about what the status quo was, I decided to do something different. So I hired a pub in Melbourne and I got a bunch of people to support me, influencers to speak on my behalf. There was a bunch of media in the room. The room was actually overloaded with people. We had more than we, we needed there. And then I also invited a bunch of the investors who were watching me um, or, or had heard me pitched. And overnight I had four offers of meetings. And then on Friday I um, found an investor and closed the, the deal. It wasn't as simple as that. But, you know, the, I guess the message there is that I had a really big challenge. Uh, it took me a while to kind of get why. But then instead of complaining about it, I just did something different. It's quite interesting that you say that you you described yourself as being quite naive. And I'm wondering whether that naivety is what would have allowed you to do what you're doing. Because if you if you knew just how difficult and just how many ups and downs there are going to be, would you have attempted what you eventually ended up doing? Absolutely not. And I think that's, if everybody who is an entrepreneur or thinking about doing something like this actually really knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. I think if people listening to this who are in business really thought about it, they would agree with me that if they knew what they were up against, or what was going to be coming down the road, they wouldn't have started it in the first place. And I I think it's a big gift that we have as entrepreneurs is that, you know, if we knew the full journey, we wouldn't take it. But that's part of the excitement of it. But I liken it to having a child. I mean, if you really knew, once you're pregnant, if you really knew what you were up against, you'd be like, keep that damn thing in there. You know, I don't want to have it. You know, it's just kind of like, you just wouldn't go there because, you know, you really can't know the full extent of the challenges you're going to face until they come. But when they come, if you just have the courage and then hopefully the buildup of resilience to move through it, then you have a reference point for the next time that something like that comes along. And then you go, okay, well, I went through something similar to that not too long ago. So if I could do that, then I can do this. And then you just keep going and going. I guess that really kind of gives me the idea that if you use that approach, then you could be your own mentor because you could say to yourself, well, I've got a challenge. Um, I've got something that I've got to overcome. And then you'd think back to the last time you had a challenge and what you did in practical terms to overcome them and then apply it to this new situation. Yeah. Look, it's funny that you mentioned that because I recently have been invited to write a chapter on a business book um, called, uh, sorry, on the topic of resilience. And the day that I decided to write it, because I only had a week to write it because I came into the book late, I decided to write it that night on a Sunday night and the day was a hell of a day. Like it was awful. And I was not in the right frame of mind to actually write a chapter on resilience. I just thought, oh gosh, I can't do this. But then I thought, well, hang on a second. This is where my resilience muscle actually comes in, Kizzy. I started changing my self-talk and I went, actually today might be a really good scenario to use as an example of how I put resilience into action. And what I did is that I just changed the conversation and thought, well, okay, I can use today as an example. So if I write that into the, like that can actually be my opening story. And I thought, oh, actually, that's a really good idea. And then the way that I'm feeling, if I just 
go and have something to eat and make sure I'm well hydrated and in a really nice quiet spot with some nice music playing and some candles lit, which is my way of relaxing myself, then that will help me to feel better. And if I just outline the chapter tonight, as opposed to writing the whole thing, that'll take some of the pressure off. And look, 3,000 words is really only four articles, roughly, and I can write an article in an hour. So if it's due on Saturday and I just see the the outline tonight, then I can do a little bit, say about half an hour each night this week and I'll have it done. Sorted. Let's get started. (laughs) I love that. So really, it all comes down to the conversation you're having in your head about your present situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I do that with everything I say. So it was funny that you said that I could be my own mentor because I hadn't thought about it like that. But I think essentially that's what it is. And, And it's also being really in tune with who I am, how I operate, and how I'm feeling at the time. So today, for example, I've had a really uh, crazy weekend, um, very exhausting. I haven't had a day off in a couple of weeks. It's not my usual practice. I usually make sure that I have um, my appropriate amount of time of downtime. But sometimes, you know, life has seasons, business has seasons, it was just one of those seasons. And so I wake up today and I thought, I'm not going to work for the first half of the day. I'm going to go and have a two-hour massage and then give myself permission to relax my mind so that when I come back, I'll be refreshed. And if I need to, I can make up for it and work tonight. Done. Brilliant. It sounds like a a recipe for success that we could all use a little bit of. Um, Let's go back slightly to the room exchange because you've got this fantastic idea. You've managed to get some funding. How do you grow your team? How do you find people to work alongside you? Well, that's an interesting question because when I reflect on it, the people tend to come to me and it's not that it just sort of happens out of the blue. It's a result of relationships that I've built and nurtured over the years. And so when the time came, for example, that, you know, I wanted to start this, the first few people that I I told about it, who I was really hoping would come on as advisors, actually said, okay, I'm coming on as an advisor. Do you need me? Let's get started. And it was like, wow, you know, and and as I've gone through the journey of it, I've also realized that at certain times in the development of the business, you need certain types of people and at other times you don't right? So for example, this year is growth year. So it's not primarily around legals or operations. Essentially, the focus this year is around marketing, communications, getting me out speaking in front of the people who can help us to grow the brand and and to grow our um, database. So it's like, well, who do I need to do that? And then it's outsourcing the right people because at this stage when you're a startup you um you can't have employees so we have people who are willing to work on a contract basis um and then they come in and out as it's needed so some roles I go out and seek as in the practical day-to-day operational but when it comes to advisors and mentors and key roles they tend to come to me as a result of relationships that I've built over time and over the past three years How has your role changed in the room exchange? Oh, well, I think it's more about how I've changed as a person and grown into the role. I've never been a CEO before. I have been an entrepreneur for 25 years, but it's primarily been, uh, you know, me developing and creating something and then just bringing in people as I've needed on a smaller scale. They've given me reference points to be able to do this, so I've, I've grown into it. But I've really grown into the role of CEO and that's the, um, I guess it's the leadership part of it that's really um, changed for me. 
learning how to lead people and get the best out of them, also making sure that they're satisfied and happy within their role so that they're able to provide the best that they can, and also making sure they feel like they have a sense of ownership for it as well. And when I talk about leadership, I don't uh, I don't lead on a hierarchical level. So if you think about the old way of le- leading, it's kind of like the boss at the top and then there's people underneath. I look at more as a sort of like a, a flat circular kind of leadership where I'm in the middle and then everyone's sort of around me. Um, and we all are as important as each other. Nobody's got a more important role than anybody else. So that's a big thing that um, I've learnt. Um, and I've really learned how much I'm capable of, which has been incredibly surprising. Like, I'm just like, gosh, bring it on. You know, every time a challenge comes, it's like, yep, I can do this. And so they're those reference points that I've developed that have helped me to have that. But I've also realized that I'm incredibly disciplined. I'm a very creative person. I'm an artist as well. And I'm also very organized, which is an unusual blend. But I have exercised both of those muscles on a daily basis. And I don't flip and flop from one side to the other, as in multitasking. I don't think that's a healthy thing to do. I stay very focused and I'm very disciplined on the tasks that I'm doing. And then that enables me to get things completed and get things done with my full attention. That's interesting. You talk about how your roles evolve and how you as a person has evolved. But I guess that would then also translate to the type of culture that you create at the Room Exchange. How would you describe the culture at the Room Exchange at the moment? Uh, the word family is the only thing that um, comes to mind. We are a group of people who care about each other, who support each other when life um, happens. It's kind of, okay, well, what do you need right now? It's not about me or the company. It's what do you need? And then with that approach, you know, we always manage to work things out. It's a group of people who who really feel and know the mission of what it is that we're doing. And they're very uh, much a part of the, the story and the outcome that we're wanting to create. And I don't know how I've created that culture other than just me being completely myself all the time. And I've, I pride myself in that I'm the same person, for example, when I'm on stage speaking in front of people than when I am at home with my family. I just might have fancier clothes on and have my hair and makeup done. That's the only difference. Like I, I don't change from one moment to the next in terms of my values or who I am as a person or my personality. Um, I just, you know, do what I need to do to, to suit whatever's happening at the time. And I think that consistency is what's created the underpinning for the culture of the room exchange. Because when we look at the messaging around what we're doing, it's about community and relationships and changing the way that we live, work and play. It's um, it's about adding more value to our life around the things that are important, not being so busy with things that we don't need to do, contributing to other people's lives by providing the space and then other people contributing to your life by creating 
um, you know, help for you. So it, it's the same values that we have in our company. That's the only thing I can pin it down to. I hope that makes sense. It does indeed make perfect sense, Gladwina. But hold that thought. We're going to take a quick music break and come back to our conversation in just a few minutes. This week's boss star is Dirty Snowman Society. Now, that's a phrase I never thought I'd be saying on this show. Dirty Snowman Society. They're a rock band based in Copper Mountain, Colorado. Uh, this four-piece band consists of Frank Constantini on vocals, drums and percussion, Johnny Law on lead guitar, Patrick Linfante on bass and Chris Todorov on guitars and percussion. Dirty Snowman Society came together from very, very diverse backgrounds. I mean, these guys have held jobs like um, like an Emmy-winning TV director, uh, a best-selling author, a touring metal band member, ski and surf instructor and even a successful lawyer. The glue that holds them together is the desire to to make the kind of classic hard rock that inspired them to become musicians. Here they are, Dirty Snowman Society playing Mad Bull. with Kizzy's Friday Game Changers by emailing FridayGameChangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers.
I'm Brian Stolley, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners. Hey, Tanjan Lee here, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a leadership and mindset specialist for real estate and property professionals. Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify. Hi, I'm Johnny Cohn, CEO of Pay by Phone UK. I'm Kenneth Hafianyo, the founder of Jogwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changes. On your friendly news. Love this game-changing interview? Share your thoughts by posting a comment. Sharing is caring. Kizzy's Friday Game Changer, Book of the Week. Hi, Richard Blanford, uh, Chief Executive and Founder of Fordway. Uh, we're an um, IT services and cloud computing specialist uh, based in Godalming in Surrey. We've been around 28 years and uh, currently 10 million revenue and 70 staff. The book I'd like to recommend is called Traction by Gino Wickman. The reason for the recommendation is that um, it's a very, very good guide for anybody running or managing a medium or small to medium sized business which provides both the framework and a set of extremely useful tools to help you run your business better. The basic principles that Gino espouses, I believe, came from him, I believe, devouring pretty much every piece of management literature, probably from the late 90s or mid to late 90s and the early noughties. Um, And what he then did is he then condensed this into a process which he calls EOS or the Entrepreneurial Operating System which provides a good template and uh, processes to run your business more effectively which covers the main disciplines. Um, I read the book um, immediately uh, was impressed enough to then go out and find uh, what's called an EOS implementer to help us put this process into our business And I'm very glad to say that two and a half years after starting the process, um, it's really helped us with a lot of the day-to-day management running of the business and significantly improved our business performance. So if you are looking for a better way to run your business and not happy with how it's going at the moment, please, Traction by Gino Wickman, read a copy and delighted to help anybody who would like any help on how you take it forwards and what it can do for your business. Welcome back. Before the break, you're listening to Dirty Snowman Society performing Mad Ball. I'm in the studio talking to Ludwina Dortovic, founder and CEO of the Room Exchange. That was amazing. Dirty Snowman Society. What a name for a band. That's got to be one of the most unusual names we've had on the show so far. Dirty Snowman Society. I have no idea how they came up with that. But I tell you what, you're not going to forget it, are you? No, absolutely not. That's being innovative, right? I'm pretty sure somewhere in the world, that's the dictionary definition of innovation. But Ludwina, look, we're now at the part of the show that I've been looking forward to all week. This is a section of the show we call 
past, present and future. The idea is quite simple. I ask you three easy questions about your business past, your business present and your business future. And hopefully your answers will give us a unique insight into the mind of game changer Ludwina Dortovic. Will you submit to the program? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I have no idea what these questions are. So let's go. (laughs) This is going to be so much fun, I promise you. Now, look, you've got to imagine that you can hear the sound of a clock ticking in the background concentrate can you hear it now that's the sound of time passing by second after second imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Ludwina Dortovic just starting out on her entrepreneurial journey Ludwina confides in you that she has the opportunity to take a well-paid job it's a nine-to-five opportunity and but it's got some scope for possible promotions or on the other hand she could turn down the job and start her own business what would you advise her and why? Oh, that look, it depends on a bunch of things, but I'm actually going to share with you an experience I had way back then where I decided I would take a job and give it a go. And it lasted three weeks. And it was the most enlightening thing that I've ever done because it confirmed to me that I definitely shouldn't be in that space. So I would say to that young person, if you financially are able to build and grow something of your own, then stick with that because your lifestyle and will be much better. Your time will be your own. The flexibility with uh, your role as a mother will be there and you'll just have the opportunity to express your creativity and explore your entrepreneurship in such a profound way. That's interesting. So do you think then that uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, game changers are born that way rather than, than made? Because if you had all the opportunities to get a job and just stick to it and yet something inside you said, this isn't right for me, is that because genetically you you are a, a game-changing entrepreneur and you can't be anything else? I don't know if it's that exactly. It's a question I've been asked a few times. Are entrepreneurs born or made? I think it's a bit of both, but I think the born part comes from being a leader. I'm a born leader. I always have been. Uh, I don't know if it's got something to do with the fact that I was the eldest or whether you know, the life challenges that threw my way as a child formed me into that or whether I just decided somewhere along the way that that's who I was. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of people who feel that way and I've also spoken to a lot of people who I thought were leaders that I say, no, I'm a supporter. And they've helped me to really understand the difference between the two and how valuable having supporters in your world is. Um, as much as you're leading. So I think that's, it's a mixture of both because you need to practice entrepreneurship as well, which means you need to fail a lot. And the only way you're going to do that is to actually take the steps to try and do something. Um, If you just sit back and wait for the right time or wait until you've got all the money or wait until, you know, life is secure, then I don't think that you have the real entrepreneurial um, streak in you. I think also, too, entrepreneurs need to have a high-risk appetite. Now, that doesn't mean that you make stupid decisions. It just means that you're able to take um, risks far easier than others. So some people value certainty more, and they so their risk appetite isn't high, and often those people are, are you know, better at supporting, for example. Um but I, I'm able to look at all of the different variances in a decision. And even though there is a risk to it, as long as I've weighed it up, 
I find it easy to take the risk. So I think it's a mixture of few things. It's not just quite a black and white answer. It's interesting you say that game-changing business leaders need to have a, a high-risk appetite because it makes me wonder how comfortable are you with uncertainty then? Oh, absolutely uncomfortable. I There's some things that I'm routine about and that routine is really more about my personal care, getting time for creativity, balancing my life, things like that. But um, I don't like to play it safe at all. I I love the excitement of something new and creating something out of nothing. But I also have just as much um, excitement out of the sense of completion. So I believe that you need to be able to complete things to be a successful entrepreneur. You can't just be the fire starter. You need to be able to follow it through as well. But then there are times through the process of uh, development of something where it might be time to hand the reins over, so to speak. Um, Might be, you know, it's the CEO, for example, um, to somebody else at some point. And then you can have the opportunity to start something else. But I really think it's important that you complete what you've started. You've got to have the gumption to kick it off but you've also got to have the discipline to finish it. See, you've got me completely confused now because you're such a contradiction. On the one hand, it sounds as though you value certainty, you value completion, making sure you start and you finish. But then on the other hand, you you kind of give me the feeling that you want variety. Um, you, You want to do new things and you want to be successful at new things all the time. So this conflict within you, I guess it must make things a bit confusing for people who don't know you that well, because on the one hand, they'll think that um, you really, really value certainty, getting things started and making sure you stick with it till the end. But then after a short while, they'll probably think to themselves, well, it sounds as though she really, really values um, variety and also contribution. So when I'm achieving something, I'm energized. So achievement comes from completion. You can't achieve something unless it's finished. So I get that need met in a number of ways. So in a big way with projects Mm. that we're doing with the room exchange, um, but I need to complete. So if we're doing a sprint on technology, it's not like, hey, I'd like to implement this feature on the platform. What do you think? And then it becomes an idea that I then hand over to the team and then, you know, hopefully they get there. I've got to work with them through the detail, the boring part, you know, the tech part until it's done and then we test it and then it works and then that sense of achievement that I have of completing it is just so exhilarating particularly when it's incredibly challenging for me but I get that same need met on smaller scale so if I haven't had it met during the day for example if I haven't had wins or achievements during the day then I'll usually end up in my art room and work on a piece that might not take me too long so it could be an abstract paint pour for example which just takes me a couple of hours to do and then at the end of it I just feel really great because I've achieved something so it's more about understanding and knowing yourself I did this incredible thing called the Clifton Strengths Report about a year and a half ago and that's what showed me that my number one strengths achievement my other ones in my top five are communication relator um, maximizer, which is really interesting. And I think that's probably a bit of the dichotomy there. So I like to maximize time really well and make sure I'm well organized and, and things are planned out well. So I think there is a bit of that in me, but it might be because of the fact that I like to achieve. So I love the challenge. I like to 
push myself. Um, I like to grow and I like to get things done. And I, then I like, wow, okay, now it's time for something new. And that new could be a new sprint or, a new, sorry, a new feature on the tech, or it could be, you know, a new way to grow or develop, or it could be, you know, a new stage of the company. There's always something new happening. So I get that excitement from creating something new but I get just as much excitement from completing it. That makes perfect sense. It really does. Um, let's move over into the present, into the here and now. On paper, Ludwina, you've accomplished more in one lifetime than most people can ever imagine. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned from your entrepreneurial journey? It's ask for help. Uh, we're not Lone Island. You can't do this by yourself. But it's not just about asking for help. It's also asking for the right help. So... I protect my mind like I protect the people who I love. And that includes making sure that the advice that I ask for and who I ask it from is really carefully requested. So when I ask for help, I ask very specifically what it is that I'm hoping for in terms of an outcome. And can they please talk me through it so I can work it out? And the people that I ask that help from have the ability to help me with that specific question that I'm asking. And I'm very mindful making sure that I ask the right person the right question. So I don't just go and ask random people who I don't know very well if they can help me with something because unless they know me well, they're not going to give me the kind of response that will serve me well and serve um, my company well. I've always believed that the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask. And I guess from what you're saying, it sounds as though you've learnt the knack of asking the right questions. Oh, absolutely. Incredibly important. You know, dumb questions are just dumb questions. Yeah, and we hate dumb questions. Um, Let's go into the future, 100 years from now. Ludwina, what would you like people to say about you when they talk about you in 100 years' time? That I really cared about people in a genuine and honest way, that um, I inspired them to, um, to be more of themselves and to give more, and that I, I stood for what I believed in. I like that. And I suspect that you will go on to smash those goals, Ludwina. Um, our conversation can go on for hours and hours because I've got reams and reams of questions to ask you, but I know we've gone past our allotted time as expected. Um, so what I'm hoping is that let's try and get together again in a couple of months time and maybe do the second part to this conversation. I know there's so much that our listeners will want to find out from you and I just don't think we've got the time today, but so can we do this again? in a couple of months and pick up where we left off. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, Kizzy. Brilliant. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but in the meantime, it's been an amazing experience talking to you, Ludwina. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom with me and our listeners on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Ludwina's incredibly inspiring story is a great reminder that it's impossible to progress without change and contribution. And those who don't change their minds, they can't change anything. And as the great Benjamin Franklin said, without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement and success have no meaning. This is a lesson that game changers like Ludwina Dortovic are teaching us by their example. Listen, learn and innovate. Playing us out is Dirty Snowman Society and this track's called Taste of Heaven. See you next week.
problems, every situation All my failures, all your needs Cut me down, no hesitation You just love to watch me bleed I accept your invitation Again by the temptation Just a way of feeling Bring me down Bring me down I'll break Bring me down Let me taste your poison Fill me with your Love this game-changing interview? Share your thoughts by posting a comment. Sharing is caring. I'm Brian Stolle, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners, and my Fridays wouldn't be the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Bring me to my knees, destroy my chances for salvation. Feed all the demons left to bring me down. Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show, Game Changer Show. Game Changer Show.